Good evening and welcome to the Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pitch. Thank you so much for being with me this Friday evening. Coming up in today's Catholic View, a chat with Monsignor Duncan Soke. Growing Merciful as the Father, a Youth Jubilee event. And then we take a look at the 7th Annual Alliance of Civilization Global Forum. On the 30th of April 2016, the Catholic Church in South Africa will rejoice together with the faithful of the Archdiocese of Johannesburg in celebrating the ordination of Monsignor Duncan Tsoke as the Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of Johannesburg. So I thought it would be fitting to replay my interview with Monsignor Duncan Tsoke, recorded two days just after the announcement. Let's listen. <laughs> Father Duncan, we know you were brought up in Daviton, the east of Johannesburg. Talk to us about that. What was your childhood like? What was it like living in Daviton? I think, uh, you know, Davidson, um, I think even now it's still a nice place to, to live. And that's where I was born and bred and grew up. And, you know, but after my uh, high school, after my primary, I went to a boarding school, um, uh, which it was in Mafiking, uh, Botswana. Um, but, you know, I just went there for a year and then came back. You should remember that at that time, you know, it was that, uh, those hey days of apartheid where, you know, there were school riots, there were all sorts of things and, and so forth. Um, uh, so I had to come back from Mafiking and then I went to a Trejville where I was at Holy Trinity uh, High School. Uh, which also I was there for three years, I think. And then because, you know, that's when I started thinking about my my vocation. And then when I shared this with my vocations director at that time, I think it was Father Lionel Sham and uh, Father Litsia Mushwesho was uh, his assistant at that time. And we, you know, I started sharing this with them. And then uh, the bishop at the time, you know, Bishop uh, uh, Reginald Osmond, his rest, may so rest in peace, and uh, decided to take me to, to uh, you know, to the minor seminary uh, in, um, what was this place now, Lukawi. It was in the, uh, I think it is in Whitbank Diocese. Um, that's where I went. And then things also seemed to work well there. And then he decided to take me to uh, Maria's Dal. That's where I did uh, my sort of nine, 
at that time, which I think you call it grade 11 now. And then I did grade 12, but we did not finish grade 12 there because of the school riots as well. So it, it was a struggle. Because some of us, we came from Johannesburg, we were suspected because the school was banned. You know, and then we, we who came from Joburg, we were sort of uh, uh, suspects that uh, started, you know, the violence and, and whatever at the school. And I was even arrested for three, for three days, three oh days, my. three nights. You know, it was quite an experience because at that time it was uh, during that time of Buputatswana, uh, you know, when you had those Bantu stands and so on. And um, I think we were rescued by the late Archbishop uh, uh, Butelezi also. May his soul rest in peace. Um, he rescued us, and so we were relieved, and then we had to go back home. And um, afterwards we were called uh, back, but this time we came back with our, with our parents, and we had to sign uh, some papers to say that you know we will not cause problems in the in the in the in the in the um, uh, in other school. You know, it was Maria Mariasdal High School. It was Mariasdal Boys High School and then Mariasdal Girls High School. So both were affected actually. And then eventually we ended up not even writing exams at all. I can't even remember what year now that. Uh, but uh, I ended up matriculating at uh, uh, St. Francis, you know, Wechak Park, St. Anthony's, St. Anthony's in Wechak Park. That's where I uh, matriculated. And then straight from there, then I, I think was it after a year, then I went to St. Paul's in Hammanskrau. Um, that was uh, 1988. Yeah, 1988. That's when I started with uh, my seminary uh, studies. Interesting to see that you've always lived a very Catholic life. I mean, all the schools you've mentioned, uh, all Catholic schools, and also interesting to see when you discovered your vocation quite early in life, hey? Yes, I did. Um in actual fact, I'm from a Catholic family, very, very yeah. staunch and, uh, you know, strong uh, in, in their faith. And I thank my my parents for that because, you know, um, I think at an early age when I was an altar server there, that's when I started getting an interest in, in, in you know, in, in becoming a priest. Um, yeah. And okay. um, I think it was also during the time of Father... Godisang, um, Patrick Godisang also, may he so rest in peace. And um, we, 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 you know, he's the one who also helped me in finding out about my vocation and so on. And then eventually, um, I think even the readings that I, I used at my ordination for um, uh, priesthood, you know, it was where Peter was asking I went to, uh, Jesus was asking Peter uh, three times, do you love me? And, you know, to me, the whole vocation came as uh, Duncan's, okay, do you, do you love me? You know, I think in one way or the other, 
I, 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 you know, I think I behave like Peter. You know, that's why I like uh, Peter the Apostle. Uh, he is human. No, beautiful, Father. Very beautiful. But now, talk to us about your time as a priest. What are what have been your good experiences uh, during your religious life? What have been uh, some of your bad experiences? But let's start with the good news first. Talk to us about the good times as a priest. I, I love priesthood. I love priesthood. It's something that I've been wanting to be, you know, uh, from an early age and. I remember I, you know, my first uh, assignment as a deacon, <clears throat> uh, it was in Portia, and I felt welcomed uh, there, and that was 1995, I worked there the whole year, and, you know, people made me feel at home, and it was, you know, I, 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 I was just accepted, and I liked, and then, you know, they also encouraged me, for me it was a beautiful year. And then eventually I, after my ordination on the 2nd of December, 1995, then I I was transferred to uh, Yeovil Parish, where I I worked for, you know, for three years, uh, until when there was a, a shortage of staffing in the seminary. And, you know, one... We, we we were not even qualified to be in the seminary, but uh, because of the shortage and uh, Bishop Osmond was generous about his priests, he offered about three priests to go and and work there. And I was one of those, and uh, I worked there for a year at St Peter's Hasfontein, and then after that um, I came back. Then I was appointed at uh, you know Phosphorus uh, from 2000 until 2009, so I was about a year, two, about nine years in, in Phosphorus. Uh, Phosphorus, there were ups and downs, there were times that were, were not good at all, and, um, uh, but, you know, they made me strong. They made me strong. I also thank God for what I went through. And, um, you know, I suppose every priest do go, uh, through those things, um, you know, there's ups and downs in, in, in priesthood. And of course, that's what makes you stronger. I mean, if imagine if everything in your life was just positive all the way, you'd never have any challenge, any challenge to do better, to be a better priest, eh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. No, it's good to know. It's good to know the other side of Father Duncan. And okay. I, I believe you love jazz. I was listening to your chat with Father Emil earlier today, and you yeah, said to him, jazz, jazz, jazz is, is your my, favorite is my music. Love. Every Sunday after Mass, you know, when I'm not going home or, you know, I'm just, even when I'm at home or I'm in the car, mm. I, especially on a Sunday, I do listen to to Radio Veritas. I'm into uh, jazz music. No, it's I mean, okay it's to like listen that... to Radio Veritas. It's okay. You can say it. <laughs> no, no, I do. I do. I do. Most of the... I mean, almost every day in the morning, especially when I'm preparing myself. Yeah. You know, just before Mass and then when I'm doing my prayers and so on. I do. I do listen. And I think most of the time I also listen to Radio Veritas when I'm most of the time when I'm in the car. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, so yeah. tell me, Father Duncan, before I let you go, what yeah. are you looking forward to with the new appointment? What excites you about it? You know what? I'm, 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 to be honest with you, I am still shaking. I'm still trying to 
you know, to uh, to find myself. I mean, this news came as a shock and yeah. uh, it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have not planned anything or whatever. I've not even... I've not even started thinking of anything. Okay, you're still floating. You're still floating. Yes, you haven't yet word. settled. Okay. Yes, yes. All yes. right. All right. Yes. Well, Father, it was great getting to know the lighter side of you. Thank you so much for giving us that time. And okay. uh, before I let you go, Lent is starting tomorrow. What's your message to our listeners? Yeah, I just want to wish uh, our listeners a uh, um, uh, happy, good Lent and prayerful and you know, and as the Holy Father has asked to, as we celebrate the year of mercy, and perhaps this is a good time to do uh, uh, corporal mercy, I mean works of corporal mercy, you know, and I think probably it's just to, to be good to others and to pray fast and, you know, come closer to God. Lent for me, you know, it becomes a personal retreat, so to say. That's where you actually... You become in touch with your God. And I would encourage them to read those readings uh, during Lent. Almost every day the readings during Lent are so, so beautiful. Well, we look forward to the ordination and once again, congratulations. Thank you very much, uh, Sheila. And that was Monsignor Duncan Toke, who will be ordained Auxiliary Bishop of the Johannesburg Archdiocese by His Grace Archbishop Butit Lachali OMI, together with other two ordaining bishops tomorrow, Saturday, the 30th of April 2016, at the Sacred Heart College in Observatory. The ordination will start at 10 a.m. on the dot. Make sure to be there. You're still listening to The Catholic View right here on Radio Veritas, and I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for being here with me. Coming up next, we take a look at some youth matters. As part of the celebrations for the Extraordinary Year of Mercy, 70,000 teenagers aged between 13 to 16 years from all over the world gathered in Rome for a three-day event entitled Growing Merciful as the Father. The event kicked off with a pilgrimage to the Holy Door, followed by confessions, which were heard by the priest present and by Pope Francis himself in the colonnade of St. Peter's Basilica. Among those who traveled to Rome to participate in the event were siblings Emily and Ryan Sullivan from North Carolina in the United States. Both Emily and Ryan spoke of the excitement at being in Rome for such a significant gathering. 
Uh, it's definitely interesting, and it's really cool to be like addressed directly because a lot of like younger kids aren't. I don't know. It's excited as a youth to be thought of and to be focused on. I know my friends were like, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool," and、uh, it's not something most people get to experience. So it's definitely special. And you're also getting to experience Rome as well, the Eternal、yeah. City as well. Yeah, it's really cool. It's gorgeous here. Emily, thanks so much. Ryan, do you want to say anything? I was very happy.、Um, just to see the city and see the Pope is just amazing. How much are you looking forward to to all the events that are taking place over the weekend? I think they'll be really great. I'm looking forward to a lot. I hope I learn a lot from all of them. The three-day event came to an end with mass celebrated by Pope Francis on Sunday. Hymns during that mass were sung by the Worth School Choir from the south of England, the first British school choir to perform alongside the prestigious Sistine Chapel singers. Two of the choir members, Ellie Barrett and Anna Testdale, spoke about their experience. It's just such an honour to be able to sing with such a fantastic choir. It's such an opportunity. I definitely won't have this kind of opportunity again. I'm Eli Barrett, and I'm a member of the Worth School Choir. Hello, I am Hannah Teasdale, and I'm also a member of the Worth School Choir. I don't think I'll quite understand the magnitude until I'm really there. To, to be honest, it's quite mind blowing. But I'm just kind of bring it on. I look, for, I look, look forward to it. <laughs> Enjoying the challenge.、Yes. What kind of repertoire have you prepared? Tell us a bit about the music that you'll be performing. Well. The bit, my favourite piece that we're performing is、uh, the Allegri Miserere, which is in. That's going to be a bit later on, but it's such a beautiful piece of music, and because it was written to be sung there,、um, inside the Vatican, it will be fantastic. You're also doing other concerts, aren't you? You're performing, I know, in、uh, Saint Mary Major as well. Indeed, we are. Yes, we'll be doing. I, I think on Sunday in the Vatican, we'll, we'll be singing the Beati Quorum Via. I mean, I've done that quite. A few few times with the, with the choir, it's one of my favourite pieces. I mean, I started as, as a treble back in about two thousand and ten. Now I'm on the bass part, and every time I sing it, it's just really really great. I never get tired of singing it. At the heart of Pope Francis' message during the Jubilee Mass for Teens, celebrated on Sunday, was quite simply one word: love. The Pope told the thousands of 13 to 16-year-olds gathered in St. Peter's Square that love was the Christian's identity card, the only valid document identifying us as Christians. If this card expires and is not constantly renewed, he said. We stop being witnesses of the master. The Holy Father noted, however, that although love is beautiful and it is the path to happiness, it is not necessarily an easy path. It is, he said, demanding and it requires effort. The Lord, Pope Francis stressed, is generous. He offers us his faithful friendship, which he will never take back. Even if you disappoint him and walk away from him, Jesus continues to want the best for you and to remain close to you. 
He believes in you even more than you believe in yourself. This is very important, the Pope noted, because the biggest threat to growing up well comes from thinking that no one cares about us, from feeling that we are alone. Young leaders from across the globe outlined their visions for a better future at the 7th United Nations Alliance of Civilization Global Forum entitled Living Together in Inclusive Societies, a Challenge and a Goal, which was held in Baku, Azerbaijan. UN Representative Mr. Nasir Al-Nasser called on young people and world leaders to work together to prevent violent extremism. Mr. Al-Nasser explained that the turmoil we face in this world can make us weak and powerless, fearful or angry, warning from the consequences of giving into those sentiments. Let's listen. The consequences of giving and may be a rise in xenophobia, exclusion and marginalization of those groups of people we feel endangered by, be it economically ethically or religiously, when having a look at the darkest points of the history of humanity, we know that such reactions can ultimately lead to. Amongst the participants at the recently concluded forum was Juliet Aniango, a member of the Youth Interfaith Council in Kaduna, located in northern Nigeria. The group brings together Muslim and Christian communities in efforts to foster peace in a region that has seen sectarian violence and terrorist activity. Inclusive society has to do with partnership because when you want to include, you need everybody. You include everybody, everybody in the society to be involved in what is going on in the community, in the nation and in the world. So uh, Nigeria now suff- suffers from troubles, as we all know, and Boko Haram uh, kidnapped uh, some 300 girls a while ago. What do you say to the people, especially young people, who are thinking of joining Boko Haram? Well, uh, what I would tell the young people thinking of joining Boko Haram is that they should check again. We are all human, so when you kill, you kill a brother of yours. Because we are one, so let's think of unity, let's think of peace, and let's think of togetherness. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what you do in Nigeria. I am uh, here to represent Youth Interfaith Council. It's actually a youth wing of Interfaith Forum of Muslim and Christian Women Organization in Kaduna. Since Northern Nigeria is known to have uh, some challenges of uh, religious and ethnic issues for some time now, what we do is to bring the leaders of both the Muslims and the Christians together to form a forum where we address peace issues. We do seminars for them, we will go to communities, we organize community forums where we bring everybody in the community. We discuss peace, we discuss things that are causing problems in the community and for such forums we get people to say so many things and at the end of it everybody is happy because there is peace and once there is peace you can do everything because there is yeah, peace even the little things you can do like yes, general, like you going can to do. the market, yes. like going to school too going to school also in, in our organization we go to schools 
where we get the children together, we teach them about peace. So we call them catch them young. We talk to them about peace because by the time they start growing, we believe that there will be peace ambassadors. You participate here and you will be presenting a narrative, of narrative of tomorrow. Yes. What is your vision for tomorrow? My vision is uh, we want to see that tomorrow, our future, starting from today, that religion, we encourage everyone to live in one another in peace. Because with peace, you can do everything. With peace, you'll be happy. And the peace starts from ourselves. If you don't have peace, you cannot give peace. So you start with yourself. The Somali terrorist group Al-Shabaab takes its name from the Arabic word for youth. But UN Youth Envoy Ahmad Al-Hindawi has urged young people in that region to reclaim the word. Mr. Al-Hindawi says this is just one way young people can craft their own narrative by being peace builders for a more inclusive and tolerant society. This gathering represents a very timely uh, gathering, uh, the time when we see uh, lots of divides and lots of barriers, uh, not allowing people to understand and communicate with each other. And having the seventh gathering uh, under this theme, living together and valuing living together and celebrating diversity, is exactly the calls that coming from Baku today and the alliance of civilization uh, that what unites us is much bigger than what divides us. Uh, Ahmed, you spoke about the narrative of tomorrow. What about the narrative of tomorrow for the young people of the Middle East who are currently suffering from many crises? It's even more relevant for young people in the Middle East because they are the ones who are being uh, the highest price of uh, lack of stability. And uh, from all these conflicts uh, that we are seeing as part in the region, uh, young people are the ones who are paying the highest price. Even in a country like Somalia, for example, uh, uh, the terrorist organization Somalia called themselves uh, Shabab. Uh, and Shabab in Arabic, as you know, it uh, means youth. Uh, when I visited Somalia, I was talking about uh, the need to reclaim uh, the word Shabab because it's a battle over narrative. It's very much about showing who are the real Shabab of Somalia. The 70% of the population who wants peaceful uh, future and they want good jobs and they want education. They want exactly what any young person in the world wants. So that's in part where we need to construct this narrative. And that's what I really like about uh, today's gathering, this amazing group of young people who are coming together to put their own narratives because we often see others describing youth and usually they don't even get it. They don't get how young people think and what young people want. So today we are seeing young people coming to draw their own assessment and the way they think uh, they should be described and call for um, public uh, discussions and particularly issues of uh, concern to international peace and security. That's even more relevant in the situation in the Middle East. Uh, we're seeing today in the Arab countries uh, a massive generation of young people who are suffering from a lack of uh, job opportunities, a lack of uh, prospects for a better future. Uh, and sometimes I even think, and, uh, and this morning I called for a youth spring for, for the international community to acknowledge that we have half of the world's population under 25 years of age, and they are the biggest assets we have. That's certainly true in the Arab region. What is the step forward? How would you uh, engage young people to stay on the line? Now we have in our hands uh, the Sustainable Development Goals. We have in our hands Security Council Resolution 2250 on Youth, Peace and Security, which is the first time the history of the Security Council to acknowledge the role of young people as peace builders, as partners in peace building efforts. 
I think these instruments, uh, we, we make a great one, uh, the normative side of the story. Normatively, I think we have a better way of describing and talking about young people together with the narratives of the future that is meeting today from the, the discussion and the Alliance of Civilization Forum. I think we are equipped with a good understanding about the way forward. Now the challenge is to, to get the job done. We have enough investments, enough financing, enough political will, an ecosystem that allows young people to be part of the solution, and that's the way forward. That was UN Youth Envoy Ahmad Al-Hindawi, who was born in 1984. He is the youngest senior official in UN history. And this has been your Friday's edition of the Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirch for Radio Veritas. Well, that brings me up to time. Do enjoy your weekend and please do attend the ordination tomorrow at the Sacred Hearts College in Observatory. Until Tuesday at the same time. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirch.